Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I want to thank you for tuning in to listen to us today. The mission of my podcast is to change consciousness one conversation at a time. And I am delighted to introduce my guest to you who is doing that for over four decades in her work. Before I introduce her, I'd like to introduce myself. I am a licensed clinical social worker. I practice as an intuitive psychotherapist and I'm available to work with you through remote therapy sessions on Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, and phone. To learn more information, please go to my website, which is nolatherapy.com. It stands for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy.com. I live and work in both cities, and I offer a unique perspective on healing. I have a book coming out later this year in November, in fact, having to do with healing our deepest core wounding through empathy and self-forgiveness. I believe forgiveness to be one of the greatest tools and paths to our happiness and well-being, as does my guest today. And so I'd love for you to check my book out through NOLA Therapy. I offer an online class having to do with empowerment, sourcing from within, bringing forth the gifts that we each have innately within us and tapping into that to be more articulate and aware and just able to use those gifts from within us to feel stable, especially during today's time. And on social media, please follow me at NOLA Therapy on Instagram and Facebook. I have a YouTube channel at NOLA Therapy where all of these interviews go, as well as I have been reading my book manuscript to you in small segments at NOLA Therapy on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I'd like to move right into my guest. We are with Dr. Anita Sanchez. She is a transformational leadership consultant, a speaker, 
a coach, an international international best-selling author of the book, The Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times. Dr. Sanchez is a member of the Transformational Leadership Council. She's an Aztec Mexican-American, like I mentioned, with decades of experience working with Fortune 500 companies in diversity and inclusion and building cross-cultural teams. Her book, The Four Sacred Gifts, is deeply personal and from this really beautiful spiritual perspective. So with that, I just want to welcome you, Dr. Sanchez, and taking your time out today. Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm really glad to be here and excited about reading your book when it comes out. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. So where can we begin today with your with your book and your work? Have like I have so many questions having to do with what what even does indigenous mean and and the importance of the four sacred gifts. Where would you like to start? Why don't we start right there? What do I mean by indigenous? I think it's uh it's a helpful thing, and especially helpful in the context of what's going on today. Um, we not only have COVID, but now we have a, a very a powerful a movement, a resurrec- resurrection of a movement for uh, equity and equality for every everyone, regardless of your skin and that. So I think there is a there is a it, it is a powerful time to have the perspective of the indigenous wisdom. So um, we want to start there. I think yeah. that's a good place. Yeah, that sounds great. So, so when I talk and when I say indigenous, anthropologically, basically everyone, all human beings are indigenous because that's how we all began. We all came from the earth, all the different elements. And, and science tells us that biology as well. And so have our ancestors, the indigenous people for millennium. And for some people, though, uh, some groups of people uh, continue to be identified as indigenous, as as am I, because they continue to keep that relationship uh, with Mother Earth, uh, keep the uh, the knowledge of the original wisdom that came again centuries and millennia ago, alive. And so that's so that then we talk about them as tribes. We talk about us in that respect. But I just want people to understand that we are all connected. And the other part about indigenous is that it's as opposed to any other culture group, it's indigenous people when they from their worldview, from our worldview, we're taught that there's one hoop of life, mm-hmm. and in that hoop, um, creator universe energy, God, Allah, whatever language you, you use, whatever the belief system, is that we're all intimately interconnected. So we're meant to have the red direction, which is the indigenous people. We're meant to have the yellow direction, which is Asian people. We're meant to have the black direction, which is people whose ancestry is from Africa. We're meant to have the white direction, whose ancestry is from Europe. That all of this makes a hoop of life, and the loss of any part of that means the hoop is broken. Mm. and means great uh, suffering and, um, you know, uh, difficulty for everyone. We cannot have a whole thriving world unless all the beings on it are also whole and thriving. And this conversation is so important right now with what is going on with Black Lives Matter and in our U.S. culture right now. So I thought it was just really spot on that we were scheduled for today since you have such expertise in, in this area. 
Yes, I love it. For over four decades, um, I have been weaving indigenous wisdom into my work, which uh, is fairly broad, organization development goes in a lot of areas, but core to it is bringing together people's hearts and minds, um, so diversity, inclusion, and equity. And so when we, we talk about Black Lives Matter, a big thing that comes up with a lot of people is, but why aren't we, why aren't we just saying all lives matter? Mm-hmm. And the reality is all lives do matter. However, you can't have all lives matter unless Black Lives Matter too. Yes. And so it's like if we had a broken leg, we wouldn't say, um, well, I'm not going to tend to it because it's about my whole body. You would take care, of course, keep strong the rest of your body, but you would give focus on that leg that's yes. broken. Yes. And there's some things that are very much been broken for centuries on the treatment of people from African descent, African-Americans here in the U.S., to be specific when we talk yeah. about Black Lives Matter here. But we are also seeing, Lisa, of course, all over the world, Black people all over the world and others joining them because what is this thing about the darker your skin, no matter where you are in the world, you, there's uh, inequities and um, absolute, actually, violence that is happening. So it's very painful time. So I'm glad for this conversation. And it's also a very hopeful time and mm-hmm. that we can actually get this healed, um, get the forgiveness that needs to happen, but also to sit, change the systems and structures that have allowed for these inequities to take place. Yes, I want to let our listeners know what the four sacred gifts are so they can know the paradigm that we're speaking from today that you articulate. So number one is the power to forgive the unforgivable. Number two is the power to heal. Number three is the power of unity to come together. And four is the power of hope, the ability to dream and see wellness and the powers to attain it. And I know from listening to your book through Audible, which is one of my sponsors, is that you know this path of forgiving the unforgivable in a deeply personal way. And you share so authentically about at age 13, your father was murdered. And that was one loss for you to deal with. He was murdered unexpectedly. But, and he was also your abuser. And you experienced childhood sexual abuse by him from the ages of four to 14, I believe. So you know this, four to three, you know this process. Where where from here should we go, Anita? I think we get into what forgiveness is not and then what it is. And uh, I start with where it's not because I really want your listeners to understand. I know you already know this from the work that you've been doing, but I I think forgiveness sometimes doesn't happen for people because they think it means being weak, or they think forgiveness means that I forget or that I'm betraying myself mm-hmm. or a whole group of people where the hurt or mistreatment may have had been on a grand scale like genocide or ecocide or other kinds of things. And um, the reality is forgiveness doesn't mean any of those things. It doesn't mean you forget. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're uh, weak or betraying anyone. What forgiveness really is, is releasing oneself from the prison uh, of what did or didn't happen in the past um, or maybe even today and and that you love yourself enough that you do not want to use your energy in resentment, pain, hurt, 
anger, all those kinds of things that you want to heal that, um, do the forgiveness so that you can be present with your energy now and for what you want to create. So that's where it's really important because sometimes people go, well, Anita, that's fine for you to say that, but I, I you know, that's, that's really, I feel really hurt and I'm really mm-hmm. angry and, and yeah, and it's, it's not that easy just to let go. And, um, and I understand, and part of what will eventually allow that to happen, everyone has their process in terms of the amount of time, but I will say that it is actually self-love that I want to use my energy for now. And I use a lot of my energy for the racial things that happened before to the killing of my father was race-related. Yes. Uh, but rather than focus on... Uh, I'm not forgetting that my father died that way. There's no way that I will forget that. However... I can use my energy having forgiven both the man who murdered my father and also forgiving my father in terms of the sexual abuse, never on either of those saying, oh, this was right kind of behavior. Absolutely not. But releasing them of being bounded in that, but first and foremost, releasing myself. And that's the powerful thing to do that, to release oneself. Because if we don't... um, what happened to me as a teen is I began thinking that I was my abuse, that I was this racial target. And I started building a wall to stop it from getting hurt. Very rational kind of in the mind kind of thing. Okay, I'm going to stop the hurt. The problem with building the walls is that it keeps out the good stuff as well as the bad stuff. And it walls in all the things that end up eating away at yourself because our own wholeness, our own sacredness, our own divinity, the word you used earlier, it, it, it is, wants to be free. It wants to be here in the wholest way. So forgiveness is such a gift, and it is possible to forgive the unforgivable. As you're talking, I'm thinking about how we have a belief, and myself included, until I really started looking at forgiveness, what it is and what it isn't. And I think that at some level, we believe if we are to forgive the unforgivable, that it condones what has happened, that it makes it okay, as you were just speaking to. And the truth is that it doesn't do that. What it does, unforgiveness really binds us to the pain. Mm-hmm. It, it creates a relationship to the pain point of the experience that then we develop a narrative around and almost like a personality construct around the the pain of the unforgivable versus forgiveness. It, it really is about developing a relationship to your healing and to the possibilities that are beyond the pain, what we can learn, what we, who we can then become. And so I learned that forgiveness is a progressive practice, that it's a really actioned mm-hmm. practice layer upon layer. And, you know, we, we get to a level, we attain a level of forgiveness, be it for ourselves or someone else, only maybe even a few years later to have a deeper awareness or insight of the experience. And it's a moment, an opportunity to forgive again and open up new possibilities for ourselves. Have you found a similar process for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, a thing that got added that you spoke to earlier, um, was that uh, so? Uh, I know that it's a pathway to freedom. It absolutely mm-hmm. is. It allows me to to see myself, the, the my wholeness of who I am, rather than just one aspect of of something I experience or still experience today. Because 
um, some of the racial inequity, the racial inequity still exists, but I can see myself in my fullness and then use my energy to change those systems and structures. And that's what I see, you know, in a lot of these peaceful marches is that people from all the four directions, from the different races coming together saying, no, we want... We want to treat everyone with dignity. We need to change some of these systems and structures that don't. So it's actually a very powerful thing. But one of the things I want to share with you, because I know you um, you have a, been a student of and participated in, in some indigenous practices. Yes. This last summer, I was at a, a Sundance, and amazing, amazing elder um, uh, Basil Braveheart and um, part of the work, the work we were doing in ceremony was on forgiveness. And so in talking to him, he said, yeah, I understand that, you know, you're kind of known as the forgiveness woman. Um, you've had to deal with some big things. And I said, yes, you know, it is a pathway to freedom and it's, and it's an unconditional love. I didn't really know how big that could be for myself and giving to others. And he said, well, I want you to add one other thing in there. And I said, Okay, you know, because you take the elders seriously when they talk. He says, "Yes, forgiveness, Anita, is the passcode to your divinity." Mm. And when he said that, that just I was like, "Absolutely," and it just keeps getting broader and and expanding. And so, like you say, all these gifts and this one that we're talking about, forgiving the unforgivable, this is a gift we get to use every day. And so. Yes, we need to tackle the big ones, but we can start with just even the little ones, you know, just, oh, you forgot my birthday. uh, Yes, and it's five years later and I'm still remembering that. Like, practice some of the little forgivenesses and then the bigger ones come. But as you were talking about um, the process, I think it's forgiving oneself um, that is one of the hardest steps to do. And it took me some years to do that on the murder of my father. Mm-hmm. It absolutely did. I'll be glad to share. It's a, it's a, I think a powerful story that yeah, hopefully please. would help your listeners. Uh, so, you know, I, 13, my father's murdered. It's horrible. Um, confusing for a 13 year old and also horrible. And a week later, a thing that really stuck with me too was that forever changed my life was a white woman and her son who was probably somewhere around my age came to our home and I was with my mom or at the door and she identifies herself as the wife and the son of the man who murdered my father. Well, you can imagine it was like, Oh my gosh. And, and then she said, I had to come, I had to come see you, Mrs. Sanchez, because I had to tell you, you need to know my, my husband was a good man. He never would have killed your husband if he knew he was Mexican and native American. He thought he was black. And then she went on to start saying things, horrible things about black people. Um, you know, not just prejudice. I mean, really just uh, um, outrageous things. And I remember my mom, I never remember my mom screaming at a total stranger, but she just yelled and said, stop. You don't even know what you're saying. You don't even know what you're mm. teaching your son. But I want you to know I'm going to try really hard to pray for your soul, but you get off my porch. And that night she gathered us six kids where it ranged from nine to 18. And she said, I want you to understand something. A white man murdered your father, not the white race. However, and she opened the Kansas city star newspaper and showed the picture of my dad there laying in a, in a pool of blood, having been shot three times by the white man and a black man who had a fight earlier that day had come and um, the white man returned file of my father and killed him on the spot. 
and she shows the picture in the newspaper. She goes, now this has to stop. This is one of the symptoms of racism that if a white person was killed, violence is never shown on the newspaper. But if it's a, a black person or a Mexican or a Native American, all of that is shown here and all of this needs to stop. And so I kind of go, no wonder I went into this work, but I'm going to fast forward yeah. into this work over a couple of decades because I don't want to be Pollyannish. Some forgivenesses you can do really immediately and there's practices on some of them indigenous that are happening very quickly others can take more time and it's to have compassion for yourselves and each other yes but it's about being on the journey so it was um probably oh, a little over a decade and a half later i'm in corporate world i'm doing diversity and inclusion work where i'm sitting and listening day after day year after year of circles of white people who are sharing that their parents taught them that they were better than people mm. of color that wow. that but that they love their parents but they don't agree with them and they were changing policies and procedures and their friends and what was important to them what they were taught and what happened to me lisa as a as a a woman that that 13 year old didn't get it is all of a sudden it struck me that on that summer day i lost my father Mm -hmm. that he was murdered. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. But on that summer day, that young white boy lost his father, too. Yes, so powerful. And he had to grow up knowing he was a murderer. Yes. And I also, the next layer of learning is that, oh my gosh, this is a hard one. I literally remember everything about that day, but I had lost the face of that young boy. Mm. And I, over time, I was able to remember what he looked like. To now that I know if I saw this man, I would know who he was. I had, because of the hurts and mistreatment that happened to me, the great loss, I took away his humanity. I decided that this boy's only path would continue with the hatred and maybe even the physical, if not psychological, murder of people of color. I was taking his away his humanity just as his father took away my father's humanity mm. by killing him like he, as if he was, well, we wouldn't even kill an animal that way um, as indigenous people. So that was a powerful, powerful gift that those groups of white people that I was listening to allowed me to then do another level of shedding and forgiveness 
uh, and then forgiving myself, forgiving that 13-year-old, forgiving that whatever age you are of the pain and hurt that you endured, that then what it hurt and pain causes more hurt and pain. Yes, yes. So until you can have, do the healing work so you can let go of that, and what it does is allow, you can have all sorts of visions of a world where we're all care, our hearts are connected and we're working, co-creating, but that forgiveness, the inability to forgive will continue to block that bigger vision. It will get in the way. And I, I know that so clearly. And I also know there's diverse ways of going at this, but what I want, and I so appreciate you, Lisa, having me on is to let people know, even in the depths of pain, you can't run from it. Mm-hmm. So you go deeper in it, but as you go deeper and deeper, deeper, you'll find love. And it, it, at least initially, hopefully it's love of yourself. And that will ca- cause the start of the journey of the bigger forgiving the unforgivable so that you can be totally present here. Cause we need your, we need your contributions. We need your gifts, the world, the earth, everybody's calling out for it. Now the best of who we are. I appreciate what you're saying. And what I'm thinking of as you're talking is it, it, I jotted down a quote from your work that you speak of the gift of unity supports our ability to be in right relation and connection with all beings. And it reminded me of, of the work I did with a Lakota Sioux elder in sweat lodge ceremonies. And he would talk about metakwayasi, all our relations. I, I hope I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that properly. <laughs> You did fine. Natalia okay. Austin. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I knew it was slightly different. And then where you offer the second and third sacred gift gifts around the power to heal and the power of unity and just how connected, how connected all the gifts are. And just, I'm just <laughs> noting that in my mind as, as you were sharing this story about your deeper awareness of, of your father's murderer's son. Mm-hmm. Yes, Absolutely. These gifts are intimately interconnected. What would I suggest to people is that just whatever calls to them, whichever the four start there, but actually my forgiveness went in a really deep way, not out of going directly after forgiveness, but because of unity. When I came to college, to the university here in Colorado, um, I started college at 16. We, with the murder of my father, everybody went to work early and I was good in school. Mm -hmm. So I just kept going. But, um, other people were seeing leadership in me. I got elected student body president of the University of Colorado. And I, there was always this voice in my head said, oh, if they only knew, you know, if they mm. only knew. And maybe all of us have that little bit of voice in there, this, the, the negative, the naysayer. But they kept seeing things. And then I knew them to be true, too. And then I started lowering that shield of protection, um, began to allow people to be a part of my life, to not be suspicious, to be able to trust. That's the yes, forgiveness trust. that allows that too. So that unity, for us to be in unity with each other, that means we need to trust. And I'm not talking about blind trust. Yes, you, you, and then you speak courageously to each other when expectations aren't met or I didn't know the expectation. Let's, let's lay this stuff out, you know, clarity. But that unity, that power, we've seen you know, throughout the centuries, the, the unity and that continued healing work can make big changes, big changes, not only in our personal lives, but in whole organizations and in governments. Women would yes. not have gotten the right to vote if not for the, the, the marching that occurred and then others joining, men joining. And this change that needs to happen now, too, it will happen, but it'll happen because it's going to take all of us 
from the four directions. Enough of us so that there's a tipping point. And we're seeing that. We're seeing lots of it. It's really encouraging to see just the different things that are happening in you. Yeah. You know, and I was so excited to learn, Anita, that you're a member of the Transformational Leadership Council. I love that council. I've interviewed many people who are members. It's my intention to be on that council. And just the way I've learned in my work that it's it's our deepest wounding that becomes our greatest power if we allow, if like you said, we turn towards the pain and ask what lessons do you have for me? What what do you want mm-hmm. to say to me? And as hard as that is to do in those moments, because we automatically want to deflect and distract and distance from our pain, but I've learned it just keeps coming up in different ways. <laughs> and okay. so it's it's even just more efficient to okay, let me let me lean into this some and have a support system. And I wondered how your personal experience is informed for you to do the diversity and inclusion work with Fortune 500 companies and work with governments and non-governmental organizations, like how you were led there even personally. Well, that personally came from a dream actually when I was three and four and I still have wow. that dream, which, which is, um, which was, uh, I'd see a picture of the earth and all these stick people of different colors but we, what was clear in my dream is we had our hands on each other's hearts. And so when kindergarten, even when they ask, you know, what you're going to be when you grow up, that's what I drew. And I got up and said that. And I remember the kids laughing and the teacher said, put away the crayons. But what happened for me, Lisa, I didn't have the language for what it was, but I wasn't embarrassed. You know, and for a five-year-old to not be embarrassed when all the kids laughing and the teacher saying, close down. And I was just like, I knew that's what I was going to do. And indeed, that's what I've done is doing the diversity and inclusion and equity work all over the world with major corporations. Yeah. It was really bringing together using science, you know, my organization development, my behavioral science work, but really it's weaving a lot of the indigenous wisdom in my own personal practice so that I know that this is possible. It is possible for have a, a thriving world where all of a, all the races that we can embrace our similarities and our differences. So that that um, hoop of life, that understanding from an indigenous perspective, and then having it supported with everything the science says. You know, we're so intimately connected. We know that a little bug, a virus, halfway around the world, just uh, you know, has laid all of us you know to be sheltered in to be dealing with this. And so is this racial justice movement, this equity and equality for all movement. It is also telling us you, you can't hide from any of this. We are intimately interconnected just as these gifts are here. As the elders said, use these four gifts and you will remember how to be in right relationship with yourself, other people, the earth and spirit itself. And so that yes. means every facet of our lives at home in the workplace, you know, everywhere in community that we can use this and create harmony because that's, we really want that. We want that for ourselves, our kids. We do. Yeah. And the deepest part of ourselves. Anita, I'm going to, I'm going to give a, a word to my sponsors and then come back to you in just a couple of minutes. So for those of you listening, I mentioned earlier on that I listened to Dr. Anita Sanchez's book, The Four Sacred Gifts, through Audible. They are one of my sponsors. And if you would like to receive a free audiobook download and a month subscription, simply go to audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy to check that out. And I loved 
I love listening to books and, and just hearing and then taking notes. So if that speaks to you, check out audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. I have a wonderful new sponsor and they are, they've identified as we know that stress weakens our immune system and this company reset is taking a holistic approach that's science-based over 200 clinical studies that demonstrate the effectiveness of their product reset at reducing stress by boosting three bodily systems that work together, the immune, endocrine, and nervous system. What they offer are time-released aroma caps that are vegan and GMO-free, made in the USA. They are spelled R3-SET, but pronounced RESET. There is a calm, a calming capsule that's a citrus aroma and taste for the daytime. And for the nighttime, there's unwind. And it's a lavender-scented uh, gel cap that's really unique and different. I've never tried anything like it. And as my listener, they offer you 10% off to try them out. Go to r3set.com, spelled r3set.com, and take 10% off as my listener with the checkout code therapy. You can also find them at CVS and Target and just a delightful New company, they spent a lot of money working with scientists, psychologists, yogis, and holistic practitioners to bring you, bring you this product. Okay, I am with Dr. Anita Sanchez, author of The Four Sacred Gifts. And Anita, one of another quote I found in your work that I loved that tied together all four sacred gifts or when you speak about we do not need more information, what we're hurting for is wisdom. If you can, yeah. whatever direction you want to go in, but I just had to get that quote in during. Yeah, our time no, I step. love that. Yes, and uh, a, a meme that I create out of that is you can't Google wisdom. I and, love it. Um, yeah, I actually came up with that. Uh, actually, presenting at uh, Singularity with Google, and everybody just got silent and then kind of laughed um, <laughs> because I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but it's <laughs> that this wisdom lies within ourselves. It's by, you know, it's, it's the sacred part of us. It's the being still, the intuitive part. People put different language on that, but it's just, it's in there. That's who we really are. And so we need to go to that, what I call the ceremonial heart space for that. And that you can also find that wisdom in nature. When you're out in nature, um, we, you know, people are finding by sheltering in, if you just go out and get some fresh air. But in nature shows us also how to be in healthy relationship with everything. So we, you know, it's a, it's a false, it's an illusion to think we do anything alone. So just even here breathing, and I'm looking out the window because I'm in the Rockies, and Beautiful. I'm looking out at the trees, and I'm thanking the trees because I can't even breathe alone. You know, it's the trees who are taking the carbon that I exhale, and then they're giving me the, the oxygen. And there's this reciprocity, this wonderful relationship that allows me to be here. And so what we're hurting is we, we have all the knowledge already to solve the huge problems all over the world, whether we're talking hunger or economics or uh, even societal issues. The issue is, are we willing to take the action? Are we willing to go into this wisdom and use this? And we have in all our ancestors, not only indigenous, I will say all people, they look back. Our ancestors have all gone through horrific times. And this is a big one. This is a big one, definitely. And we now know 
because of our technology, we can talk and see what's happening all over the world. And so wisdom is being asked for in a huge, huge way. Um, and so I thank you for bringing up that quote because I think it, it really is true. We, you know, people, how many of people are listening? Have you kept up with your emails and, you know, all, just all the things is huge and all the different things that you can be listening to. It's really about the wisdom. And so I'm so happy that people are listening to your show because that's an innate yearning for wholeness. And we know that healing is a process. All these gifts connect together. But I did want to share that there are four yeah. steps in healing, whatever your tradition is. Um, what I found in the indigenous and studying it all over the world, there were sort of four key things. And first is listening. Listening is so powerful because if we don't listen to ourselves, we don't even know when we're sick or something's broken. But it's actually our bodies are telling us, our hearts are telling us we just need to listen. And then listen to others as well. You know, give them the space and grace where we just silence our mind and the chatter and just acknowledge people. And it's amazing that people go, all I did was listen. Yeah, but you truly did listen. You're acknowledging all of us want to be acknowledged. So first step is listening. The second is supportive relationships. So some of the things are big. And so like Lisa, you were talking about, you know, go listen, go get Lisa's help with the work that she's doing one-on-one or, and the various form method, methods that she uses. It's really important. Go to your, your places of worship. Go find that there or neighbor, community, yeah. all different ways. Supportive relationships is important. Third is unconditional love. And some people who are really hurt and pain said, I don't believe in unconditional love. Maybe, maybe a parent or child and I just go, then that's, that's something to investigate. Listen to that. Find out more about that because guess what? You are worthy of unconditional love. Yes. You are absolutely worthy of them. And then fourth is a very important step. And I'm hoping we're, we're engaging people who are listening that they want to do this. It, you must commit to action. Mm-hmm. So be in action about this. Listen, supportive relations, unconditional love, and be in action. The GPS in the car, I remember when I first got it, and my husband was showing me how to use it, and I'm like, well, when's it going to tell me what to do? He says, you have to move. You have to <laughs> move great. the car. You yeah. know, and that was years ago, but I was like, oh, oh, okay, wow. then it starts talking. But that's really something we can use in our own our own GPS system, our own divine internal system, our intuition and our, 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 our acknowledging our sacredness wants to work, but you've got to move. You've got to, and sometimes people get fearful. Oh, I'm going to make the wrong step. Well, guess what? Oh, now I know that was it. Let me try something else. I'm that much closer. And you just keep going. But do that knowing you don't have to ever do it alone. There's always supportive relationships, both by other human beings as well as in nature, nature and then yeah. just the divinity within yourself. And additionally, Anita, I wanted to ask you, in thinking of these four sacred gifts and the last one having to do with the power of hope, the times that we're in right now, there's a lot of fear and anger and emotionality. How can these gifts help us right now with our fear and anger and the uncertainty yeah. kind of present? Yes, very much. So hope is an energy source. A lot of things that have created, including the technology we have, it wasn't from the facts. All the facts would say, whoa, man, we don't have much reason to be hopeful. But when you look further, you see all sorts of hopeful things happening. 
And so hope, I, I'm using now, a good friend of mine shared this when we were having a conversation a few weeks ago, that hope is hearts open, possibility, and engagement. Mm. And with what's going on right now, we need to have our hearts open, not just our minds that'll go through where all the fear and all that is triggering, triggering our amygdala, saying, oh, fight, flight, fear, yes. freeze, all that stuff. Instead, we start from the heart, from there. And then you can educate the mind. And with that open, then you're able to listen more to yourself and listen to others. You know, so many people, I'll just start with one of the things that happens is that people are, well, we talked about it already. We talked about Black Lives Matter. Why are they saying that? That's separating stuff. No, 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 stop. Mm-hmm. The hope in this is that we're going to be able to get the whole hoop of life connected in right relationship. So we need to focus yes. on Black Lives Matter. But the other is possibility. So, you know, <laughs> You probably interviewed uh, Michael Beckwith. One of the things he says, uh, he's a friend in the Transformation Leadership Council, says, you know, um, hurt, uh, fear, mistreatments, all of that pushes until vision can pull us. Mm, yes. So that yes. possibility can pull us, pull the mind, pull the heart, pull us all collectively into creating what it is we want. And then engagement. This is a time. Um, not of separation. This is a time of being engaged. And it doesn't mean necessarily that you agree with everything that's going on or that you're even going to go out and march. I have a nephew who's very much protecting his parents because they're at risk. But I was so sweet seeing him and gathering his friends, all the money they had in buying sandwiches and going out and making sure that these sandwiches go out to the people who were peacefully marching and then getting back home and cleaning himself and everything to make sure he wasn't endangering his parents. And I just, you know, we all, whatever it is, could do, to do learning about who we are, our culture, and other people's culture, and what is this thing, race, and how has it gotten distorted from something indigenous people are seeing as beautiful, creator-made four colors, these four directions have been distorted into, you know, supremacy, one over another. It was never about better than it was always about one hoop of life so all these gifts use them for giving the unforgivable unity healing and hope and what the promise is and i've used them for 24 years and all these leaders that i've worked with have been using them in their lives and we will testify it doesn't mean you don't fall short at times but you don't spiral downward you know exactly, and you begin using the gifts again, and you go forward. And living a fuller life where we can enjoy each other, be thriving, and be able to share that and be part of that with all our relations. That's what really, and that's just such a great time to be alive, even with holding all the pain, not at all minimizing it, but knowing we have the possibility to really live what we're meant to, one hoop of life, use the four gifts. Thank you, Lisa, for that, because I really, I believe in these, they work. They work. They do. And and lastly, just, I also appreciate the, you speaking about the role and importance of gratitude and every day, that's how I start just saying thank you. And then really feeling into that, it, it builds. The more that, that one focuses upon what they appreciate and are grateful, it, it just starts to abound within and just wanting to point that out too, how I'm so grateful to be alive right now. It's such an important time and powerful time to be alive. 
Absolutely. Thank you for saying that because people often ask, well, how do I keep hope alive if I'm feeling hopeless? Then do what Lisa said. First of all, I start every day and end every day with gratitude. What am I grateful for? I'm breathing. I can move. Some family members are healthy. Whatever it is. And then also dream. That's the other way to keep hope Oh, dream. I love that. Dream, dream, dream. And there's no nonsense in the dream. You just dream. Allow the possibilities to come through. It's sleep time and even daydreaming mm. because that's how we can begin to imagine something different. What we can all then, you know, rally around these dreams of a really positive, the most positive possible future for human beings and for the earth itself that, that provides for us. Oh, Anita, thank you for being my guest today. I'm just loving this time and what you're sharing. It's so well, meaningful to me. Thank you so much. I appreciate it so very much. You're welcome. And have just a wonderful rest of your afternoon in the Rockies. Thank you. And you You're too. welcome. Thank you. Bye. That concludes my show with Dr. Anita Sanchez. Again, her beautiful book, The Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times. And if you have enjoyed this interview, I invite you to go on iTunes and give me a rating and a review, All Things Therapy. Your written ratings really matter and help boost the visibility of this podcast. And I would appreciate you doing that. All of my love to you, and I'll be with you next week. Bye-bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.